Um, well, today I want to present a message called a muscle man with eye issues. I think it's an appropriate message for, for Father's Day, but really an appropriate message for all of us. I believe it's apropos. Now, whether, you're, or whether or not you grew up in Sunday school, chances are you're at least somewhat familiar with the epic story of Samson, the strongest man who ever lived. An enigma, really, is a puzzling character. The English poet John Milton called Samson a mirror of our own fickle state, inconsistency. He was a muscle man with eye issues. His accomplishments are legendary. At the same time, so were so are his weaknesses. He was a man of incredible physical strength and yet debilitating moral and character weaknesses. But nevertheless, God used him as an instrument to rescue Israel from the Philistines during the era of the judges. And so at his time in history, Samson was used by God. And my friends, It's the story of all of us, flawed as we may be, God rescues the needy. God saves the needy. Samson was a sinner saved by grace. And Samson was a sinner used by God by grace. Uh, His story is told in four chapters in the book of Judges. And he's best known for, let me put this up here on the screen, his hair, long hair. Somebody says, now, the hair was the source of his strength. No, it wasn't. The hair was the sign of his strength, not the source. He's known for his fling with Delilah. Again, even if you didn't grow up going to Sunday school, you know about Samson and Delilah. Samson and Delilah. And then his strength, incredible supernatural strength given to him by God. How strong was he? Stronger than this. Watch. If Samson were watching that video, he would chuckle in a derisive way. 
He would say, that's child's play. That's nothing. I could do that before breakfast with one arm tied behind my back. He was like a Marvel superhero, the Hercules of the Bible, with superhuman strength. He killed a lion with his bare hands. He lifted a city gate off of hinges. He repeatedly took on dozens of Philistines. God had a grand purpose for Samson at a particular time to deliver. That's what a judge means. He was a judge. Judge means a deliverer. To deliver God's people from their oppressors. But unfortunately, so many times he shot himself in the foot. He behaved like a shallow playboy, a little man-child, instead of honoring the high and noble calling that God had placed upon his shoulders. Now, the book of Judges, for all you Bible students, in the Old Testament records the story of 12 different judges, deliverers. The three, uh, three of the better-known ones would be Deborah, Gideon, and Samson. The story of Samson is the longest narrative in the book of Judges. Samson, flawed as he may be, a sinner saved by grace, God saves the weak, God saves the needy, God even works through the flawed, and the hero of the story is God. All right, I'm going to start reading here Judges 13. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And by the way, in the whole Samson narrative, eyes are prominent. And so in the eyes of the Lord, the Israelites did evil. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years as discipline. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you're barren, you're childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You'll become pregnant. You'll have a son whose head is never, ever to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, not Nazarene, a Nazarite. A Nazarite vow was something you read about in number six. A man could do it. A woman could do it. You could do it for a short period of time. You could do it for a lifetime. It was basically a vow of devotion, a vow of consecration, a vow of ultra-consecration to God that says, I'm going to be set apart for a high and noble purpose, just like in your baptism. You say, I'm going to be set apart, redeemed by God for high and noble purposes. Listen, you think of Samson as being strong, but God wanted Samson to be set apart. His strength was simply to be used in his devotion to God. That's was the calling upon Samson's life. Verse, so he's to be dedicated from God from the womb, and he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And then in verse 24, the woman gave birth to a boy named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of God began to stir in him. I have four simple points today. Here's the first one. God does not call you to anything but devotion to him. One more time, God does not call you to anything but devotion to Him. In other words, whatever you do, do it as a servant of God. God, God did not call Samson to be strong. He called Samson to be devoted to his purposes. And God gifted him 
with strength, and that strength was to be used not to show off. It wasn't to be used for selfish purposes. His strength was to be used in serving the Lord and relieving their oppression to the Philistines. He was not called to be strong, but to be devoted. You're not called to be the CEO. You're called to be devoted to God. You're not called to be rich or pretty or handsome or voted most athletic. You're called to be devoted to God. Now, I hope you do well in school. I hope you do great in work. I hope you achieve much. But whatever you do, wherever you are, do it as a lifelong, enthusiastic, intentional disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. You remember David Bloom, well-known national media correspondent? Back during the days of the Iraqi war, he um, became very well-known. Perhaps you remember that he died suddenly of a brain aneurysm. But three hours before he died, he sent the following email. Three hours before he died, he sent the following email to his family, to his wife. He said, sweetheart, I know only that my whole way of looking at life is turned upside down. Here I am supposedly at the peak of professional success, and I could frankly care less. <laughs> yes, I'm proud of the good job we've all been doing, but in the scheme of things, it matters little compared to my relationship with you, compared to my relationship with our daughters, compared to our relationship with Jesus. God doesn't call you to be the best, the brightest, the shiniest. I hope you do well. He calls you to be set apart for the purposes of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, as obedient children, God loves obedience. He blesses it. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. For just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy because I'm holy. Here's a second point. Undisciplined eye issues derail God's best for your life. Undisciplined eye issues derail God's absolute best for your life. And let me put four big-time eye issues that we all face. Anger, entitlement, pride, and lust. Just leave those on the screen, please. Let me give you a couple of Bible words. You know these. Justification and sanctification. Justification, we are redeemed and saved by God's grace. Sanctification, we are called to grow in grace and grow in being led by the Spirit and put to death those behaviors that are anti-God and grow in the ways of the Spirit. Samson, unfortunately, have you ever met somebody and, and you say, they're their own worst enemy. They keep shooting themselves in the foot. It's, and, and we're all flawed. I mean, all of us deal with anger, entitlement, pride, and lust. But some of you cater to it. Some of you coddle it. Some of you will even celebrate it in your life. you got to put this stuff to death. You got to fight the good fight of faith. Anger, that mindset that just says, I'll show you. Or maybe you've just got an 
hairpin trigger and you fly off or you are a master grudge holder, you'll never get the good side of me again. Or entitlement. I deserve this. Don't you know who I am? I deserve this. I'm entitled to it. And there's no spirit of gratitude whatsoever. Pride. Hey, look at me. Defer to me. All of, you need to make me the MVP of the story. You need to make me the main player of the story. Or sometimes it, it works out like this. I can handle all this on my own with no help needed from you. Thank you. And there are some men probably in the room or I'm talking to by way of media. And you were locked today in a prison of addiction or loneliness because you said, I can handle it all on my own. It is not a point of weakness to ask for help. It's a point of strength to ask for help because when we acknowledge our weakness and tap into the resources God has for us, others, the wisdom of others, when we're weak, we can become stronger. And then lust, you know, I see it, I want it. And what happens sometimes, a guy might slip into a pattern of lust and he loses all logic, all common sense, all godly sense. He wants the woman. He wants the hit. He wants the fix. He wants the sexual thrill and nothing's going to stand in my way. Or you want that thing, that purchase. Why? Feeds the ego. It's the thing. And it doesn't matter if I go into debt. It doesn't matter if I'm uh, spending money I shouldn't spend. I want it. I see it. And Anger, entitlement, pride, and lust, they'll make strong people weak. And I'm asking you not to fight this fight. I'm asking you not to pay attention to these eye issues just for you. Not just for you. I want you to think about the next generation, your children, your grandchildren, because your children and your grandchildren need more than an education. They need more than a good job. They need more than connections. And they need more than just some superficial little conversion. They need a pattern, a role model of someone who's devoted to Christ Jesus and his purposes. They need a pattern and a role model of somebody who takes Jesus seriously, the church seriously, and they serve with energy and initiative and enthusiasm and joy. And we all, fate, we all have these eye issues. All have do. We all have them. Let's, let's, let's fight them, though. Let's not coddle them and celebrate them. Undisciplined eye issues derail God's best for you and for the next generation. Here's the third point from the life of Samson. Human relationships substantially impact your walk with God. Human relationships substantially impact your walk with God. Sometime later, we're in Judges 16. Here it is on the screen. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Everybody say, uh-oh. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we might tie him up and subdue him. And each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Notice, 
not 1,100 shekels. Every one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. That's a lot. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. And Samson yanked her chain three times, lied to her three times. After the third deception, this conversation takes place. Here it is. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, there you go. This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. I will make no comment here. (laughs) So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. Again, this, his strength is not in the hair. It's not magic hair. His strength comes from God. The long hair was a sign that I am devoted to God's purposes. And the great tragedy here is that the love that should go to God is going to Delilah. Don't ever love anyone more than you love the Lord. So right right now, Samson's going to take a nap, and Delilah's going to give him a haircut. And we'll see what happens here in a moment. But I just want to come back to this and underscore that human relationships and Samson, my goodness, so many times he's flirting in scenarios, hanging around people he shouldn't be hanging around. And instead of being a leader, he's this man child who's just not growing up. There's a statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. My mom quoted this statement to me so often, I thought it was original with her. The first time I read it in the Bible, I thought, my mom wrote part of the Bible. I mean, right here, 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Younger people, listen to me. When I say younger, maybe even in your 20s. Nobody loves you like your mom and dad. And if you have parents who say to you, who are you hanging with? Where are you going? Who's going to be there? You need to get out on your hands and knees and thank the good Lord you have parents like that. And no one loves you like your parents. And when your parents speak into your life and they say, we notice something here that's a miss. Gang, please lean into the wisdom of your parents. They, they see things you cannot possibly notice at your age and stage, and that's not an insult to you. That's why the Bible says, listen to your parents, honor them, obey them. When it comes to relationships, it's very, very important that you not just be the kind of person who takes all the relationships that come to you. You got to be the one who owns it 
and you go to the relationships. In other words, the important relationships in your life, you got to nurture. The broken relationships, if there's something you can do to restore it, restore it. Take responsibility, restore it. If there's a harmful relationship, and sometimes they're there, you need to sever it. Some healthy ones that aren't there yet, take initiative. Take initiative. You're an adult. Take initiative and create some healthy ones. Strong relationships are an absolute priority for success in life. Okay, quickly point number four. Significant failure. Significant failure need not be your final chapter because of God's grace. And I want to say it again. Significant failure need not be your final chapter in your life because of God's grace. So Samson divulges a secret, betrays God. I mean, that's what he did. He betrayed his vow to God. He'd been flirting with that for years. Takes a nap. His hair is cut. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. And now one of the saddest statements in all the Bible. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. One more time, he did not know that the Lord had left him. You see, Samson had trivialized what he should have treasured. He had been set apart by God for a high and noble purpose, just like you. You've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have access to the throne of grace. You're called a saint. You're a child of the king. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. A high and noble, beautiful calling. Samson had that, and he trivialized it. My friends, never, ever take for granted the blessing and the anointing of God in your life. Samson's encouragement to you would be you need to protect the presence of God. Protect the favor of God. God is attracted to obedience just like every parent is attracted to obedience in their child. Some of you may be in this room, some of you watching, you're walking around in clear, willful, defiant obedience, and you think it's just going to be business as usual. If you want to taste what life is like without the favor and protection of God over you, he'll let you taste it. Then the Philistines, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, God's like a good father. And if you won't discipline yourself, he'll send discipline to you that is designed not to be punishment, but to wake you up to reality. Well, then the Philistines seized Samson. Notice they gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Gouged out his eyes. Um, in ancient times, whenever an enemy was defeated, most of those who were defeated were enslaved for the good of the conquering nation. But the opposing leaders were often mutilated. 
Maybe their hands cut off or their eyes gouged out because you can't be much of a leader with gouged out eyes. And Samson, again, I told you eyesight is part of the whole narrative. (laughs) Samson, who for years has been led by his eyes. What I see, I want. I see her, I want her. I see that, I want that. For the first time in his life, he's beginning to see clearly with gouged out eyes. Um, Binding him with bronze shackles, they sent him to grinding in the uh, prison. So that's where he is. Let's read the story. We'll finish it. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to celebrate saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. In other words, our God is greater than the God of Israel. When the people saw Samson, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. And while they were in high spirits, they shouted, Why don't you bring out Samson to entertain us? So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. He's, they're mocking him, mocking his God, mocking the people of God. And when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. And now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 more men and women watching Samson perform, mocking Samson, mocking the people of God, mocking the God of Israel. And then Samson prayed to God. By the way, what do you think he's going to pray? You think he's going to pray for restored eyesight? Did you know that in the entire Old Testament, there's not a single recorded miracle of healing the blind? You know why? Healing the blind is a sign reserved for the Messiah. It's of the Lord. You see the blind healed It's a sign of the Messiah, and that's why when Jesus healed the blind, it's big news. In John 9, he heals the man blind from birth. But here's what Samson does pray. And notice he prays. He returns. Now he's as weak as he can be, but his strength is going to be renewed Because he's going to return to God. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. And he reached between the two central pillars on which the temple stood. And bracing himself against them, his right hand on one, left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed The temple came down on all the people in it, and he killed many more of the enemies when he died than while he lived. Samson prayed for God to be vindicated, for himself as God's chosen leader to be vindicated, for the people to be vindicated. And at that time, at that place, time in history, in Samson's assignment, he came back to God. God. 
And in the New Testament, he's actually recorded in the Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. Listen to this. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Judges, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Samson's in pretty good company there. And my judgmental side wants to put a little asterisk by his name. But there's no asterisk by his name. God uses flawed people. God redeems and saves flawed people. And flawed people can still take steps of faith. And God works and redeems the needy. You know what Samson asked? Here's what he did. why, Why would he be in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith? He finished well. That's what he did. He finished well. And um, and that's why he's there. He said, what's next? What now? What's my next move? I want to remind you that God is a once more kind of God. And a failure in a marriage or in finances or life or morals, it's no small thing. And I know you feel that pain and I know you feel that regret. But failure is only final when you refuse to get back up in God's grace. All right, we need to pray. And uh, let me ask our worship team, please be taking your places uh, back up here. And as our worship team is coming, may I just remind you, That Samson is actually a picture of Jesus. Samson stretched out his arms and defeated the enemies of God's people. And years later, you know, Samson was a deliverer but not a perfect one. You need a prophet and a priest and king, and there have been lots of broken prophets and broken priests and broken kings along the way. We need a perfect one, and that's Jesus who stretched out his arms and defeated the enemies of God, bringing us by way of reconciliation to the Father. Because of Christ, we need not be alienated. Because of Christ, we need not experience eternal condemnation, but rather eternal life. And... However weak you feel and however weak you are, lean into the strength of God. Lean into the strength of God's people because when we are weak and acknowledge it, God makes us stronger. He specializes in doing that. And gentlemen, I'm grateful for you. This room is full and people listening here of men who want to make a difference who are strong in their values, who love their families, who aim high and want to be a force for the kingdom of God and the righteous purposes of God. I salute you in that.